Matthew Herman is the co-founder of Boy Smells, a candle and fragrance brand breaking gender norms and making loving your identity a beauty ritual of its own. Stay tuned as we discuss Matthew's favorite scent, where his love for beauty began, and the brand's recent launch into Sephora. Hi everyone and welcome to Founder Beauty, the podcast dedicated to beauty entrepreneurs built some of the biggest brands today and where we learn exactly how they did it. We'll cover some of the most intimate stories, their path to success and how they overcame the obstacles along the way. I'm Akash Mehta, CEO and co-founder of Fable and Maine, a modern hair wellness brand inspired by ancient Indian beauty secrets. Building Fable and Maine has been an incredible journey so far and I've decided to launch this podcast as a founder keen to learn and connect with fellow beauty brand founders around the world. I believe in collaboration over competition and so I'm using this platform as a way to hopefully help and inspire each other in what can be quite a tough and lonely journey. So if you are an entrepreneur or simply just curious how to build a brand, this podcast is perfect for you. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome our guest for today, Matthew Herman. He is the co-founder of Boy Smells, a line of fine fragrances, candles, and intimate apparel. Launching their first products in 2016, Matthew and his co-founder and partner David began by experimenting in the kitchen, fusing traditional masculine scents into more feminine settings. And fast forward to today where Boy Smells is celebrated for its distinct genderful scents, an aesthetic that transcend the gender binary and have gained cult status. I love that Matthew has rethought beauty routines into a lifestyle with the brand expanding from candles and home scents to hand lotions and personal fragrances. With each nuanced product and its lack of gender labels, Matthew has truly made boy smells accessible to all and set the standard for inclusivity in the spheres of self-care and wellness. I cannot wait to discuss the journey to date. So Matthew, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh my gosh, my pleasure. I'm excited. So I asked all my guests the same question. I'm going to ask you, who in a nutshell is Matthew? Uh, I think at my heart, I have always just been a creative that's been interested in building worlds and kind of remixing culture. And I've always really been inspired by the dual, the tension and dualities, I guess, really. Mm. Um you know, I started as a fashion designer. Um, I went to Central St. Martin's in London and yeah. I worked mostly in luxury fashion. And, you know, I even did my thesis when I was at St. Martin's about kind of the tension of masculine and feminine. Um, basically, you know, feminine thinking is very holistic. Masculine thinking mm-hmm. is very linear And I've always related to both and, you know, also talking about fashion and how drapery is the holistic treatment of cloth and very feminine and tailoring is the linear treatment of cloth and very masculine and kind of, you know, some of my favorite fashion designers, uh, like at the time when I was at school, McQueen or Galliano or Vivian Westwood, you know, they always really like sat at the intersection of drapery and tailoring. And I always thought that that kind of um, the tension and like the newness of like what they were doing at the time really influenced kind of how I saw the world. And I think, you know, growing up as a queer kid in Texas, you know, my femininity was always something that I really loved and was like really precious to me, but like, very much not encouraged necessarily or celebrated Mm -hmm. um, in in the environment that I grew up in. So, 
you know, creating boy smells. Um, it's called boy smells, but it comes in a pink box. And, you know, uh, at a certain age, I kind of started giving myself permission to love that side of myself, to wear fragrances that had rose or tulip or, you know, jasmine at its heart. And that kind of self-permission to occupy the space that I wanted to, regardless of the expectations of other people, you know, that's what really kind of led us to make boy smells and kind of create a lot of the scents that that we're known for today. Okay, there's so much I want to get into. I think let's start at the beginning. So you were born, in, born and raised in Texas, right? Yeah, Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas. I just actually went to Austin for the first time. I I stayed at Stowa House there in that area. But I went all around and um, I was like, how have I not been to Texas before? Like, it's I loved it. I actually wish I stayed longer. But I'm going to go back. Um, but I would love to know some of like your earliest memories of of beauty kind of growing up in Texas. Do you have any, like, is it either at home or yeah. your family, your, your grandparents? Like, yeah. I think like on both sides, like the, I kind of had a fascination um, with both maybe my mom's vanity and my dad's, you know, like yeah. my dad's colognes that he wore always felt like, oh, this is like a very powerful kind of like, you know, like if I wear this like hyper masculine, I think he wore like a polo green and like the casual massy green briar. And um, and both of those scents were kind of like these like kind of more traditional kind of bergamotti kind of, you know, kind of green masculine fragrances. Um, lots of woods in there and stuff, too. And so I always really associated that with like my dad putting on a suit and going to work. And, you know, he was, you know, and like just this kind of like, uh, and, and, and powery kind of thing. And then, you know, my mom, she always had these like powders from France and just, uh, different like special, uh, soaps and just like a lot of little, like beautiful kind of like, they're almost like objects, you know, like in, in the bathroom and like, I remember just like loving the fantasy and the beauty and the prettiness of all of that. And like, but also kind of being like, Oh, that's not for me or that's supposed to be kind of off limits. And, you know, uh, you know, loving both sides of that. Um, I, I, I distinctly remember like both of those things and my parents had, uh, their own bathrooms, you know? So like yeah. my mom's was very like feminine and da, da, da. my dad was like very masculine. And, da, da, da. and so, you know, like under, I think everybody kind of understands their, like, if you grow up with, uh, heterosexual parents, um, you know, I think you kind of learn gender identity through them. And I think that the bathroom and the vanity is like a big part of, of reinforcing those stereotypes. So my father is in the fragrance industry for 40 years. And I remember like my nose is more suited. I enjoy more floral, uh, less like, I don't like the woods in the woods. And always when I was gifted or given fragrances, either from dad or whatever, it was always like the, the, the fragrances I would be like, oh, like I prefer the one my sister got. It was so funny yeah. growing up. And I kind of was always confused. And I always then started asking for unisex fragrances. And at that time, you know, 30 years ago, it was like, there wasn't really many unisex fragrances. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really a thing. It was just kind of like, you get the male or the female and that's what you got. And I was always like annoyed. I was like, oh, can I, can I have some of yours, Nikki? Um, and yeah, it's actually so, when you say that, it's so familiar to my upbringing. I was like, and that was something that I didn't even question too much. I just was normalized back then. Right. But I'm yeah. so happy today we have 
so many more options. And I think it's just uh, finally people are you know, speaking out more about what they enjoy. This has always been existing for centuries, like in a long time. It's just what was expected and normalized back then was very different to today. Um, so I'm glad we've got to movement in the industry today, especially in the fragrance industry. And I can say this from working in, uh, I used to work in conglomerates from Estee to Dior, uh, even over the years of working there, how our marketing communication was, you know, how, how we said stuff. Like I remember at the beginning, it was always like she, she. And then I was always like, okay, but like, you know, there's also, it could be a he, uh, you know, there's, and it could be they. Uh, and, and actually it was changing over time. So it's just cool to see that growth in the industry, but there's still, still a way to go. But I think brands like yourself are, are the ones that are inspiring the industry all in all, because the best way to make change is inspiration, not, um, not really accountability sometimes, but you know. I yeah, think. absolutely. When you run a business, you know, a lot of it is driven by the data you get back, understanding your audience, stuff like that. And it's just like yeah. every segmentation that you'll receive from a marketing firm or back-end mm-hmm. metrics Retailer from, or whatever. Yeah, any of the platforms that you use, they're always based on like, this is your percentage of female audience. This is your percentage of male audience. And, you know, and it's just like, we try to look at it more like what are the common interests, you know, of our groups? Are they into dualities? Yeah. Are they into music and entertainment? Are they into travel? You know, like really understanding like what the interests of our customer are and like, let that drive kind of, you know, you know, well not drive, but inform sometimes like how we talk to them a little bit, but like, we try not to let we we never let the gender break of our audience inform how we speak to them. That's 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 amazing, and you can really see that through all my interactions with the brand has been. I can see that DNA throughout, which is hard to do when you have different stakeholders, retailers, you know, shelf strips, and this and that. But I can really see that DNA. But you have to start the brand with a very clear kind of integral mission and purpose that you really kind of have your core values are tied to. So now I love that. But before we go into Boy Smells and the creation of the brand, I do want to talk a little bit about your incredible career in fashion. Um, I think uh, uh, it's, it's exciting what you've done. And I think that, again, um, your experience there only adds to your experience now in, in the beauty industry. It's all, it's all a very connected space. Uh, would love for you to like, yeah, maybe sum up that. I know you worked in places from Zach Posen to Nasty Garlic. Tell us, tell us about it all. I went to, as I mentioned, I went to Central St. Martin's in London and that was like a hugely informative like time in my life. Yeah. I researched and was, you know, addicted to, um, the work of certain people. And so I really researched, you know, where did they go? Like, like what was their career path? All that kind of stuff. And so, you know, uh, I decided on Central St. Martin's because that's basically where everybody who I really loved had gone. And um, spending that time in London and living in East London and just that kind of like, like radical, like head dive into like being the most creative and like following Mm. your concepts, like to the like, to the furthest degree um, was just really inspiring. I think that the American, at least the American creative education I'd had so far in my life just didn't really kind of push you to the furthest depths of, of where your mind and imagination can go. So 
that was super exciting for me. It was also very competitive, you know, so I learned that, you know, working the hardest sometimes is the way to get ahead in life. Yeah. That's a little bit of a double-edged sword because, <laughs> you know, yeah. work, work, like n- now we're in the age of like work shouldn't be your whole life and, you know, you got to carve yeah. out more time for yourself. And, boy, and then smoke- you hear this like work smarter, not harder. And I'm like, yeah. yeah, but you also need to work hard too. Like it's like well, everything has like. There's no, it's a yin and yang of everything, right? But yeah, I completely get what you mean. Totally. So, you know, I, 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 I got a lot of grit there, I think, you know, um, it being so competitive and, and just working so hard. And I worked for um, Giles Deacon in London for a little bit. And then, um, which was kind of like an internship turned into like, we'll start paying you to, you know, kind of bottom of the totem pole. And then I moved back to the States and, um, I interned at, well, I had previously been an intern at Prenza, then I worked there for a little bit freelance. And then I got my first full-time job at Zach Posen and I worked there for a couple, for many years. And then I got a call, uh, from LA and I was kind of getting stagnant in my life in New York. I still love New York. It's, um, really where my heart is, but you know, I got this call from a new up and coming brand, um, D2C, e-commerce kind of darling. And I had started to get really interested in like, you know, um, especially working at Zach, which is so fabulous and it's all fantasy, but you know, it's so much embroidery, so much technique, like corsetry. And like, I loved all that, but I was like, really wanted a new challenge and I'd never done anything in fast fashion before. So I went out to be design director of dresses at Nasty Gal which was an amazing opportunity because it was the same level of like research and travel and, you know, going and buying vintage and renting vintage pieces. And, you know, a lot of that inspiration kind of trips and like stuff like that is, is really important in high end fashion, but like you don't necessarily, um, I didn't, wasn't expecting that from my experience at Nasty Gal because I thought of fast fashion as like, oh, it needs to be like watered down or like, you know, made for everyone. But there it was really exciting to work for a fast fashion brand that was really catering to a new customer and taking that really, you know, those really high end influences, but like bringing them to market at an affordable price. So, you know, if we like bought a vintage July address, we could like, you know, work with it and edit it and like, you know, and turn it into something completely new, but like just in a fabric that was a lot less expensive. And I really fell in love with this concept of like, not in any way sacrificing on concept or design, but being able to bring it to a much more inclusive price point and allow people to kind of like get something that maybe felt out of reach before or like a look. And that really translated into like a, that really informed about a lot in like my approach and what I was thinking about when we started voicemails as well, because, you know, at that time the affordable candle brands were like Voluspa and Nest. And then like anything that you really, really wanted like Byredo or, Diptyque or Sir Trudon, they were just like so unobtainable in price. Um, so it was this kind of informed. I was like, I, I only like really cool, modern, complex, crazy scents, but 
and I don't like these more traditional scents, but there's like nothing that's like really filling a hyper modern, like olfactive, like interesting perfumery kind of space, you know, at this price point. I mean, looking back, that's what I know. At the time, we were just like, we only want to pay this much for a candle. We like the like we like modern scents, and we were just like, let's make what we want. But I don't think. You know, we don't come from business backgrounds. We weren't like, we're filling a white space in the market. You know, like like all of that. The things that we put in like decks now, you know, were just of like, look how clever we were to do this. It was just instinct at the time. You know, we were making a candle brand that was called Boy Smells and came in a pink box. We literally were like, this will be like a fun weekend hobby. Like we never thought it would like turn it. Like we weren't like, oh, here's our five-year business plan and this is going to be, you know, some big success. We were like, this this is probably like we'll be hawking these at like weekend flea markets and, and stuff like that. But that's like, you know, I think you as a consumer and as someone who's probably, you know, bought candles and stuff, it's really that. I remember my first interaction with Boy Smells, I think it was in Bloomingdale's. And uh, I was like looking to buy something for a gift for someone's home. And I had like this budget in mind, right? It's like mm-hmm. you know, have like roughly like hundred dollars or something. And I was like at this all, like even a bit less actually. And I was like, was it was like $80. And I was like, oh, um, like, okay, you did the same. They did teak, the citrus drum, either really expensive or you just get like a small little candle for that amount. And it's like, also everyone, it's very like, everyone has it. It's like, it's everywhere. Yeah. It's like not special enough. And then the other ones were a little bit too cheapy or cheap looking, I would say. Mm-hmm. And I saw boy smells that and I was like, oh my God, this is beautiful. And I looked at the price and I was like, oh my God, this is like incredible. I can get a Magnum size for the same amount. And this is like the best gift. It looks stunning. So I gave that as a gift. I got, I think I got a few more and I was like, this is like, I think the perfect product. But then I was really up- upset with myself because I was like, I wish I bought some more for me. So then yeah, <laughs> I, I later I did. So, <laughs> but it's one of those things where you're like, you don't even want to gift it anymore. You're like, I want it for me too. So, but you've really, really mastered that kind of, um, again, uh, desirability. Uh, of course it has to look pretty for thinking about, especially gifting um, or keeping it in your home in the mantelpiece, but also at a really reasonable price point, um, where, I know from having made a candle with Fable and Rain just for our website, right? Just like an ancillary, it's not a main business. I know how expensive they are. And I was looking at your price point with all your, your vessel, your quality, your outer packaging. And I was like, you've sacrificed margin for the customer here. I'm like, that's really a lot of kudos to you as a founder, because that means you're putting out something customer first and profit second, you know, purpose over profit. Really, yeah. really. I mean, I hope people realize that. Um, it's really amazing what you've done. Yeah, um, I mean... So, I mean, if you have to increase prices later, I mean, I think you should a little bit because it's so good. <laughs> well, we, we did we did go through a little price increase, um, you know, because during you the have pandemic, to, the raw side. materials, yeah. you know, and shipping costs, there's the pandemic really kind of like re reorganized a lot of operational things that, um, that unfortunately, yeah. you know, the mandated a pricing. We can't control. Yeah. And raw materials just increased across the board and labor and stuff like that. So we're very proud mm. to be able to like what we, what we call an inclusive price point, you know, and inclusivity yeah. is so important to us that, you know, yeah. making sure that, you know, most people are able to participate in the brand if they want to is, is a really important like cornerstone to, to our belief. So I kind of want to talk about, um, so I know the brand would probably have been conceived a bit, uh, iterations 2015 and then 2016 was when like the actual launch of like, I guess the retail side of the business too. 
Um, let's start first with the name. What was the true inspiration behind the name Voicemails? In 2016, I mean, that was, you know, six years ago, but it's yeah. really, I think it's hard to even remember back to like when that was, you know, yeah. and like what was going on in culture, you know, yeah. it was a point where for me personally, I felt finally a sense of permission to, you know, explore a side of myself that I had always wanted to, but it just didn't feel like there was enough breathing room and culture to do so. And that's on that. That's for me personally. I'm not saying for everyone, um, but there started to be this kind of like just little embers of kind of let's start provoking and just letting go of the things that have ruled the way we all see ourselves in the past. And especially gender, gender diversity, you know, sex, sexuality, gender, like people starting to like break down the, all of these things are different. Mm. You know, like uh, there was a lot, just just a lot more, we're at the precipice of a lot more conversation that was so, that's been so fun to like unpack over the past couple of years. I was always at the fragrance counter and being like, I remember spraying this one fragrance and it being like, uh, and even though the line itself was mostly unisex, they were like, this one is only for men and this one's only for women and everything else is unisex. And I was like spraying the one that was like only for women, you know, why would you even say that? Like, you know what I mean? I was like, I was like, I obviously like this one, you know, like this is the one I'm going to buy. Like, why, why would you even feel the need to call out that? Like, this is the only one that's just for women. And you know, I think beyond that, I was starting to like, be like, I love the color pink. And like, it's in just things that like, I was just starting to be like, fuck it. Like, I'm just going to go with what I would I with what I like. So we called it boy smells, but we put it in the pink box to kind of give this sense of permission to be like, whatever's for me is for me. And then, you know, I was working at Nasty Gal still when I, when we started the brand, because we, I literally thought it was just going to be like a little like fun side thing. And I took it into work and literally, and I was one of the few men that really worked at, at, at Nasty Gal. It was mostly women. And, and in my team, it was all women. I was the only the only guy in, in the design division. So literally, like, every buyer, every girl on the design team, everybody was like, oh, this is so cool. I'm going to give this to my friends for Christmas. Like, how many can I get? You know, like, it was just like every – and I was like, what is going on? And then I realized, you know – all of these girls are wearing like Tuscan leather by Tom Ford or Santal 33. They're all wearing like chunky Rolexes and boyfriend blazers. And like the idea that it was like called Boy Smells but in a pink box, it also gave like all of my like cis straight female friends. Like also like I didn't realize like they were also like on, you know, feeling this as well. You know, they were also like breaking the binary with the fragrances that they were wearing every day. And I was like, this is so cool, you know? And so it, that that kind of like, it just hit on something, you know? Like everybody just really responded to the branding and everybody loved the scents. And, um, and you know, I think Boy Smells is our biggest equity, you know? Like our, our product is, is fantastic and we and our scents are amazing. But, you know, I the name itself and the branding seems to be the biggest kind of like stop in your tracks and pay attention to the brand for a second. And I think that that's kind of what's really 
at least got our foot in the door with a lot of conversations or, or with a lot of customers or, or potential customers. Oh, definitely. Tell us a bit about the cadence of launching, because I know 2016 you launched, and then 2017 the Intimate Power launched, then Inoki Phantom in 2019. So there's a lot of different moments of newness, and, and today now you have obviously the fine, you have the fragrances to the, the washes and the body care range. So kind of paint us that picture till 2022. Yeah, so we started with our first um, six candles in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm from Austin, and I was back in Texas, and we kind of had like a trade show or like a trunk show at you know a friend's mm-hmm. house. And then a friend of mine had just bought a, a fashion boutique in Austin, so I, I, I dropped some candles off with him. Uh, then you know we just started sharing it with different people in different places a a friend who had been at nasty gal had started like a really cool online uh, fashion boutique that everybody was talking about i sent her some candles and you know it was really through our connections in the fashion industry that we kind of you know started to get the product out there and so within the first six months we were at some like really great key retailers that aren't like huge business but like their assortment and like the lines that they carry a lot of people look at just to like try to understand like like the direction of the wind you know and as far as like what's going to be cool and stuff like that so we're at a kind of a a lot of like tastemaker type of retailers um and we and we really led with that positioning for the first couple of years that we were really just at like the coolest places to get the coolest stuff so um, after that, uh, you know, I think about a year in Barney's called and wanted to, to bring it on. Then, um, there's a section of Nordstrom that's called Nordstrom space. That is just like, it only carries like the really cool thing. It carries like acne and Christopher Kane and like Vetamont. And like, it was like, just kind of, it was like in only in 13 of the Nordstrom's around the U S but they were kind of like these like super pinnacle, like fashion boutiques Like J.W. Anderson was in there, stuff like that. So they put us in those 13 Nordstrom doors. And after the success of that, we, we eventually got brought down to uh, the Nordstrom beauty section and, and rolled out to, to all doors in the U.S. of Nordstrom. And then, you know, it was like Harrods, Liberty, Browns, Farfetch, Selfridges. Yeah. Uh, you know, it just it just kind of dominated. Everyone wanted a piece of it. Yeah, it was exciting. And then Sephora really, Sephora was in 20, this year, right? Yeah. Sephora, we launched in um, like very end of August, like beginning of September. Um, and it's been really fun and really exciting and a, and a very different kind of like set of tools that we've had to develop or, or different muscles that we've had to develop and flex just like you know, it's a very different, um, it's a different kind of, uh, retail experience that has been really fun to build into, like designing all of our visual merchandising there. Like, you know, it's been the first time we've really let the brand come to life as like a desk, a branded destination point. Uh, um, which obviously as a creative person has been super fun to dig into. Definitely. Yeah, I can tell you, like, we launched, uh, so my brand was launched in Sephora day one. So that's kind of like, you can imagine like the, mm-hmm. the, the different mindset. I was like, okay, that's all I knew was like crazy co-ops and like event in a box. And what well, we did, we did launch the pandemic. So the store part was a bit delayed, but yeah. Um, yeah, it was just such a beast of a retailer, but still such a partner, right? That yes, you can, if you play the game with them, you can really accelerate your brand to another level, but it does 
cost a lot. It's a, but they're invaluable as well as a, as potential like partners, consultants. They have so much data, and they have the consumers. So I think it's yeah, it's always exciting. Um, you know, I don't know. For me, I've always felt Sephora was like the mecca of beauty uh, in in the world, and it's just very cool to yeah, both have brands at Sephora, which I think is that's awesome. it's always exciting, right? And yeah, and just even popping by to be like, oh, I get top up, I'm going to go to my local Sephora. We're finally getting a Sephora here in the UK very soon too, which is exciting because we've never had it here. Um, so yeah, we have the Selfridges and I still, I still, no matter what, I will always have a soft spot for Selfridges. I think it's a, such a cool experiment. They experiment so much with retail and innovation. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I, I mean, well, having, you know, spent my college years in fashion, you know, in London, I just have, I have a love for, I have such a love for Browns, for Liberty, for Harrods, for Selfridges, you know, all of those. Yeah. You You know, know all of them. Those such formative memories for me, you know, to like go out, you know, but, um, I I love it. student, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. The cool thing for us about Sephora is that, because we launched as a candle brand, you know, a lot of retailers and a lot of customers think about us as candles first. But, you know, in mm. Sephora, we are in the fragrance uh, section and our yes. right now we're doing about uh, 65 to 70 percent in fine fragrance, which is wow. so fantastic. They're getting behind fine fragrance as like the primary um, versus most retailers get behind candles as a primary. And so many, so many people discover brands at Sephora, you know, it's such like a, it's such a destination for beauty and fragrance consumers that it's really exciting to expose the brand and introduce the brand to new people just through that retail experience. Definitely. And just have a brand productivity increase in other channels. Because when you launch new channels from the primary that you launched with, you obviously don't want it to be a secondary to everyone. You want it to have its own feet and its own merit. And uh, your fragrances are absolutely stunning. So they deserve its own limelight in its way, right? So it's cool to to have that opportunity to not be like, oh, they also do fragrances, by the way. It's actually maybe some people can now be like, oh, I actually discovered it first as a fragrance and I didn't realize they have candles. So it's quite interesting to see. I'm sure you're getting a lot of feedback from people um, and then they're probably surprising you with saying, oh, I didn't know you had uh, either vice versa, right? I didn't know you had yeah. candles. I didn't know you had fragrances. That's pretty cool. Um, I kind of would love to know sort of like, so I know you know your body as well, but like what sort of, for now, the future of boy smells, is it just more incredible scents? Uh, is it new categories? What can you share? Yeah. I mean, we have a really exciting product development pipeline right now. Uh, you know, we're really focusing on fine fragrance next year, just cause it's our fastest growing part of the business. Um, Business is up, yeah. I think, 125% last month. Last month, our Amazing. fragrance was up 125% to last year. With Sephora as well, getting behind fine fragrance, that's super exciting for us. And we've also just launched a new format for fine fragrance, like a travel spray that's like yeah. 10 ml versus our 65 ml bigger size. And so we're kind of talking about like, I, I personally think the way that people engage with fragrance now is very different from the last generation. You know, I think the last generation was very much like, I'm a Chanel number five girl. And like, I will always be, you know, like my, I think both my parents had like one fragrance and they wore that for, you know, all of their lives. They don't need more because I've introduced Mm -hmm. them to like a bunch and they wear different fragrances. 
depending on their mood yeah. now. But that's very much like a, a new mindset. So I I personally am really excited about. I mean, I'm sure your your vanity is the same as mine. It's like I have like 15 different fragrances at least on my yeah. vanity, and I like and I'm like, ooh, yeah, I'm gonna be like that today or I, you know I'm, I'm feeling i'm feeling fun and playful so i'm gonna do this or i have a really important meeting and i want to like make a really strong cool impression or you know just depending on like what you want to do and like what you're feeling like you might pick out a different fragrance so i think that a smaller size and being able to own a lot more is like a really exciting prospect and so mm-hmm. diversifying our our size offering to the customer is like something I'm, I'm super excited about. And I think we're going to be planning some really exciting, like limited edition drops of the travel size, you know, throughout the year. So, and then, you know, whatever that we hear the most from the customer will graduate that into the larger sizes. And so I really love this idea of like being a lot more playful in like how we release and like talk to our customer, I think it would be really exciting. We also have a ton of super exciting candles planned for next year. And beyond that, you know, I think that, um, you know, as you said earlier, like, I love this idea of, like, turning everyday rituals into this moment of self-love or self-expression even, really, more than anything else. And so, you know, there's tons of things in the bathroom that feel really mundane that I think are ripe for like exciting newness and exciting reinvention. And, you know, I don't think anybody like brushes their teeth with like crest toothpaste, you know, or like, you know, whatever toothpaste. And they're like, Oh, this is so me, you know, but like, no, have like, it's, just, you know, it's all they have right now. That's the problem, you know? Yeah. yeah. But if they have like a violet and, like, yeah. and violet and smoked tea flavored, you know, toothpaste or a pink peppercorn and rose toothpaste, like I, if I use that and it looked amazing, I'd be like, yes, this, I feel like myself. I feel like I'm my best self today. Oh, and, for sure. I wouldn't even like, give that to someone without feeling awkward about like, I've just gifted you toothpaste. I'm like, no, this is like really cool. <laughs> you know, you'd use this, you know what I mean? It's one of those things where imagine just gifting someone like Crest. I'd be like, thanks mate. Don't want to speak to you ever again. <laughs> but this is like rechanging even the way we, we consume things, right? It's not, how can that industry be only used for personal care, but instead can we open it up for, you know, other, other ways of gifting and stuff. And yeah. I think it is an untapped area. And I think the consumer does want to, and I'm sure you get a lot of data now from your existing community that's probably coming to you guys with like different wants and wishes already seeing what you've created in the past. Absolutely. So, yeah. It's really fun to see, like, we do a lot of limited editions as well in, in candles. And it's really fun to hear like, Oh, what, what happened to this? Or, you know, or like, to look at like our search history on our website yeah. and just be like, Oh, people are looking for this and they can't find it. You know, like that's always still fun searching like, for it. <laughs> yeah. It's, just a, it's a mindful way of growing too, right? Like, absolutely. If we graduate a lot of things like from limited editions into the permanent collection, we love to like play with limited editions and, you know, and, 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 and things that have shorter shelf lives just to see like what people love. And then, that can always inform like what we bring into the permanent collection, which is, is, is fun to kind of like 
have our audience participate in like the decisions that we make as a, as a company. I love that. But yeah, going back, I do think though that personal care is an opportunity for self-expression and self-exploration. And, um, and I know there's a lot of companies right now that are kind of reimagining products to like a new sensibility Mm. Uh, for a new consumer, but I don't think necessarily a lot of brands are necessarily being like, how can you like really express yourself with radical self-expression and radical self-acceptance? You know, a, a, a lot of it's still very like, like safe. Um, but I, I'd rather, I'd rather people stop and be like, Whoa, like, what is this? And like, and feel a little like almost nervous just to like embrace it, you know, because I think that that's, I, I, I want there to always be excitement with the brand, you know, like it should never be a dull experience with the brand. And, um, and, and, and I think that's why people love the brand, you know, cause it's, it's, there's, you know, we're all, we're always going to be doing something fun and, and, and something that you're going to want to like participate in. Oh, I love that. And then honestly, the industry, it's surprising how, much of I think the industry lacks that it sounds it's also because I think a lot of businesses today run again uh kind of they don't have that purpose over profit right they, they think about like um okay what we're we going to make money first let's just be very archaic what's the industry doing what's a competitive analysis landscape but I think you got if you know really what you're creating and you're just wanting to sometimes change what we see do things a bit differently have fun with it I think that's, at the end of the day, it's so obvious. That's what consumers want too. It's what I want as a consumer. So it's kind of like, yeah, it's like so easy to just stick to that. If you kind of like just, yeah, you have that conviction to make sure you do it. And I think you are doing it, which is so exciting. Um, and I love also it created itself from exactly not really, I think it comes from that early mindset of I'm just going to have fun with this and create it and let's see where it goes. And then look where it is today. And you're going to still yeah. continue to have fun with it. And see where it goes. A lot of that goes back to like even like going to school in London and there that especially in fashion, that British sensibility of like, you know, working for Giles and going to Central St. Martins and like just like British um, creativity and British fashion, like having a little bit of a sense of humor in it mixed with luxury is like very much embraced, you know, and I love that um, being able to mix a little bit of tongue in cheek, you know, like our, our summer, our set names are like Polly Amberis and Cowboy Kush and Rose load. And like, there's like a lot of the names are a little like, you know, a a little wink, wink and a little, you know, a little tongue in cheek. And like, I think that's why the brand has done really well in the UK in particular is because, you know, it has that little, I don't know. There's a certain like British sense of humor about it too, that, that doesn't detract from the luxury of it. It just like adds to it. Um, that, that I, that I think is, I'm, I, I got from going to school in London. And I see that I was born and raised in London, went to school here, went to, I went to Imperial, but very close to Central London. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, I can exactly see exactly what you, I mean, maybe some people in, in, who haven't been to London or Britain, like go Britain may not see that, but I'm, I know exactly what you mean. It's exactly that. It's got that duality as well. Of, but still that, that experience you had while you're in Nasty Girl and stuff, I can also see that kind of, yeah. Um, but it's also so connected. Like I can, when I was at Dior, like one of my PR counterparts in, in the, in the, in the, in Paris, 
she had an interview and she was telling me about how they were, she was asked, what's her favorite like fragrance? And she was, and they kind of like said a few and she was like, no, it's not female fragrance. I use everyday Dior men, Dior homme. It's my go-to and it's a really oody one. And, and everyone was like, oh, okay, I didn't expect that. And it's like, well, why did you expect it to be one of the only, like the female J'adore Miss Dior? It could be, you know, uh, and she just is, that's her scent. That's a scent of choice. Scent is isn't bounded by gender it's it's really something that's more deeper than that so yeah i think it's a very connected feeling globally that i'm really glad i think boy smells will work really everywhere in the world not just in certain markets which is really exciting so i hope also global expansion is a big part i'm sure of what you're planning to do in the future as well so it is yes um Um, we're we're super excited about you know the growth that we might see in the next couple of years that you know takes us from being one kind of brand to a different kind of brand. But, you know, it feels like each time we kind of tackle a new project, we've just kept cat caught our breath, you know, from what we've done before, you know, it's not that, um, I can imagine, you know, that um, it's yeah. super exciting, but you're kind of like, Oh, it's getting bigger. Oh, it's still getting bigger. You know, like it's like, yeah. you know, it's only when you go on, on that week trip away and you're like, you take a moment when, whenever we end up getting a moment to breathe, we look back and you're like, Oh, like I just had this, I was like, we're 40 people now and we were three people two years ago. And I'm like, wait, how many people do I have in this company? I was just doing the org chart to do a presentation next week. And I was like, had to like remember that. I was like, okay, I have this person. Who else am I missing? And it's, it's so bizarre to see how quick, you know, it, and it's so exciting to see the family grow as well. So yeah. that can come in many forms, whether it's your team, your product portfolio, your retailers, it's your stakeholders, right? Yeah. It's part of the totally. journey. So it's very, very exciting. So before we go to fire round questions, I have um, a desert island situation. So it's going to be a bit mean, but uh, you know what's coming. I'm inviting you to a founded beauty retreat. Uh, I wish I could do it in person in real life. Imagine that'd be really fun. But for now, it's virtual or whatever. But you, you can only come with one product, one scent. Or, and uh, I think let's stick with candles for now. Uh, and then I'll ask the same for fragrance. So for the candles, what's your one go-to candle scent? Well, now that you said an island retreat, it's kind of influencing like my decision making. Um, oh, if I had to pick one, ride or die fragrance. So she's a candle and she's a fragrance. Yeah, yeah. I well for fragrance, I'm gonna go with Woodphoria just because it's like so easy and like universal. And like even when somebody else is wearing it, I'm like, that's also good. What are you wearing? And they're like. Wood for you. I'm like, oh yeah. Like it's it's like it always surprises you. So it always feels fresh. You never are like, oh, not this again. You know, like you know, you can kind of like wear something out. And then that that's for fine fragrance. Then for candle, I'm gonna have to go with Copal Phantom, which is like one of our phantoms, but it's just like lot it's like earthy and spicy and copal and smoky, and it's just kind of like universally great. It's kind of like um like I'm making choices that are like things that I never get sick of. So it's like, you know, it's, it's like the safe, not safe, but it's like, I know that I won't be disappointed by those. Get bored of it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I have a, I have a few of them at home, but right now in the office, I have a cedar stack. It's so beautiful. I mean, what I love about all your fragrances is I kind of like, normally when I shop online and stuff, if I see certain 
notes or certain um, ingredients, whatever. And especially for fragrance, certain, like, yeah, definitely some uh, florals on other notes. I'm always like, oh, it's not for me, it's not for me. But you have this, like, crazy duality or I don't know what the word is, conglomeration of, like, there are some things I usually wouldn't like, but then there's some things I really love. And I ended up, whenever I smell your, your candles mainly, I was always like, I think I, I love them all because there's some notes in there that correlate with my, with my floral, for example, um, uh, nose. So I love this whole like, like I actually, it's really annoying from a consumer perspective because I want to buy them all. So you're going to make me, uh, yeah, definitely struggle there. <laughs> but it's really cool that you've got this really connected approach. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think like, you know, the, it used to kind of be like, oh, this is like leather, woods, musk, mm. and da, 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 you know, and it was just kind of like very individual, all, all, yeah. all the same, same kind of like type of things, you know what I mean? Mixed together. Yeah. And it still is. Let's be honest. Like the, most candles, it, this, this is the only option today. It's, it's very like, do you like this? You like this? You like this? Yeah. You like this. It's what the only options are. Yeah. But I think like identity today can be like, contradictory very layered you know like mm. we all like play so many different roles you know like i'm a partner to somebody i'm someone's kid like i love feminine things i love masculine things i wear carhartt i wear pearls like i have to be a yeah. boss and a founder and like lead a company but i also you know i'm the father to we're so people. multifaceted yeah we're so multifaceted and like i live yeah. in a very liberal city now but like i've come from a more traditional background like all of these things like layer into like how we identify ourselves and it's it's very complex it's very three-dimensional and i think of like scent notes as like Leather evokes this for me. Violet evokes this for me. Black tea evokes this for me. You know, like black tea is like having my PG tips when I was in London yeah. going to school. Like <laughs> leather reminds me of my dad's car. Like yeah. violets remind me of my mom's powder from France. Like all oh, of these wow. different things. And then you mix them all up together and like you end up with a – hopefully people find sense that like represent the complexity of their identity not the narrowness exactly it's a reflection of people today yeah honestly it's a reflection of we are all very very complex and we're always changing yeah. all the time exactly. because of things around us but also as just humans i've never changed i mean sometimes i say am i just am i like schizo like am i what am i doing like one minute like this next minute like that but i'm like no that's just me growing and changing and yeah and things around me are changing and i you know i've similar to you i've lived in like I lived in Paris for many years. I've lived in different countries. And I think you get experience and different experiences make you different. And mm -hmm. I think I love the fact that your brand represents that. So amazing. But so now we're going to go to fire round. Okay. These are, this is like first thing that comes to your mind. So my first question is what's another beauty brand? It could be in any vertical skin, whatever, uh, that you're currently loving right now. Um, I recently got gifted, um, a bunch of products from youth to the people, and I've literally yeah. drained through them very, very quickly. Another acquaintance of mine yeah. owns a brand in LA called Noto Botanics and like all of their face mm. cream and face oils, like smell so yummy and so delicious. And then, so I love yeah. both of them. And then I, I, I use the ordinary a lot too, just because I'm so compelled by the price and, and the ingredient focus and stuff like that. Oh, great answers. Um, yeah, I love you to the people as well. I had Joe and Greg on the podcast a few months ago and they're amazing. And yeah, now I, I love what they stand for as well, all their funds as well. So very cool. Um, what's a guilty pleasure of yours? 
Um, food. <laughs> I love to cook. I mean, who and, doesn't? Um, yeah. I love to, I love to eat out. And uh, so, you know, discovering restaurants and splurging on restaurants and stuff like that. And, and even if I've had a bad day, like, I know I'm going to want to order this or that, you know. So I yeah. food and, and smell and taste is so similar to, you know, fragrance and smelling too. And I just love – I love exploration into that and, and, you know, indulging and, in, you know, your favorite comfort food, you know, on like a, a hard day. And most days are, can be quite, not hard, but draining, right? A lot of things, a lot of battles yeah. to face every day, challenging. And uh, what's nice even now, like I'll have, I have another podcast after uh, with Bobby Brown, actually. And then, I'll, and then I have a really nice dinner to look forward to tonight. I'm going out for a really nice Chinese. So I'm like, you know, that's kind of like my, okay, work tired today going to go and um, do that. So very excited. Um, my next question is, what are you currently watching or reading? Oh my gosh, what am I watching or reading? Well, okay, this is embarrassing, but I've started Dune like five months ago and I haven't finished it yet. The but book? That's what I'm, yeah, the, the book. I, the movie. The book. The book. Yeah, yeah. The, the book. Uh, that's what I'm reading. Um, I'm just yeah. we're so busy that it's, you know, I don't get a lot of time to, but I will finish it hopefully before Christmas. Um, yeah. And then watching right now, um, I'm watching White Lotus, which is yeah, amazing. Really good. Yeah, yeah, I love it so much. And then um, I'm watching the new American Horror Story as well. There's a new season? That's yeah. Maybe. maybe oh, maybe my God. But no, but I have all the, you know, the, the, all these other like HBO, all these, other doc, these websites where you can stream them. Oh my God, I'm going to check that out. I love American Horror Story. Okay, cool. I didn't know that. Um, uh, next question is, do you have like a favorite social media platform right now? I mean, the brand is very so- active on social media. I personally am not super active on social media um, just because, I don't know, I'm too busy to, to totally engage in it, but... I do love watching like uh, travel and cooking like reels and stuff like that. That for some reason that's like what is served up to me and what I engage with the most. So that's that's what I'm doing. I love that. Um, yeah, I look at my TikTok. It was so funny. Yesterday I had um, I was doing a podcast with Inga Theron from Face Gym, and we were talking about TikTok. And then I was like, she was like. You know, she's like, I want to, my, my last question I'm going to ask you, she answered, um, I want to work with goats or something. And I was like, yeah, I think my TikTok showed me a lot of goats. And then like, I went this evening, last evening, and then there were like three goat videos. So I sent it to her and I was like, yeah, this is currently what I'm being served is goats. And I don't even know why. I don't even like goats, but there you go. TikTok thinks I like it. So the algorithm is so funny how yeah. it just like. Probably it knows, maybe I do like it. Probably it knows me better than I know myself. So there you go. But it's yeah, funny. I, I, I get served a lot of like unlikely animal best friends, you know, like a, like a sloth that's best friends with a dog. You know, like. And you're like, he's like, he's like, and it probably is because I end up watching the whole thing a couple of times. Yeah, so exactly. the algorithm's like, yeah, this guy loves sloths. So this guy loves goats. I'm like, I guess, I don't know. I, just, I guess so. Um, but yeah, it's so funny. Um, my next question is, do you have a favorite quote? Like, I do this one kind of yoga um, and I have a teacher once that said the lunar plus the solar, wait, the lunar plus the solar. (laughs) Oh yeah. The lunar plus the solar equals the stellar. 
um, and like oh, introvert, extrovert. Like there's a lot of dualities in the uh, in, in the, that word, yeah. In that in that um in the type of yoga I do, and so I always just because like the lunar is feminine and, and the solar is masculine, um, but equals the stellar. So like it's something that. I don't know. I guess like in business and like with the brand, like the lunar plus the solar equals the stellar. I, I just that. like, I just love that idea. Oh, I love that. That should be something as well. You should do like on a, on a t-shirt or something. Apparently. <laughs> that's so cool. I think that's, and it also really represents, I think what you, what you stand for as well with voice So I think that's a really powerful quote or saying, um, my last question, Matthew is, um, if you weren't a beauty, I'll even go as far as say beauty or fashion entrepreneur in this industries. What could you be doing? What would you be doing right now? Oh my gosh. That's such a good question. Um, I love um, interior design. Um, and um, so that's always something I've thought about. Um, and then I have ideas for things that are beauty adjacent, you know, that, mm. that I haven't manifested yet. So I have, you know, other ideas uh, percolating around there, but, you know, really in my heart of hearts, like, I just want to live like, you know, I've been so tied to cities because of work and professional life. And, you know, there's so many beautiful places that are not in cities that I would love to explore living in at some point um, if I get the opportunity to, um, and just kind of like being in nature a lot more. I'm a big animal lover. So maybe there's a pig or a goat, you know, or, you know, a a, a few more uh, trotting feet around Um, and just having like a little bit more of a kind of, of a little bit of a slower pace just because we've been going pretty fast for past uh, couple decades, I guess. So, you know, having lived in London, then New York and then in LA, I think there's a desire to, you know, unplug at some point and just kind of, you know, really let my, my nervous system unwind, you know, after such fast pace for so long. I love, no, I think that's a beautiful answer. That's I think, so funny. I just mentioned the goat thing. Cause it's like, I think that was Inga's answer yesterday was I would, I want to have a goat farm and just raise goats. So it's like, maybe that's something that there's a thing where founders are like, we just want to be with the nature animals a bit away from things. One thing I would do would be, I would move to, either in between India and Africa and kind of build like, a, like not necessarily a sanctuary, but I would basically work with local organizations for wild animals. Um, that's kind of, well, it's kind of what I'm doing with my, my charity I have right now with my brand, but I would do it more and be there more than run it from here. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's Amazing. I'm hoping when I, if I exit and this and that, I'll move there as soon as I can and, and, <laughs> just be present in that in that nature and ground myself every day uh, but Matthew it's been such a pleasure um, speaking to you I can speak to you all day but I'm sure our paths will cross in person very soon and when I'm in uh, America I'll let you know and likewise if you come to London uh, you yeah. know who to call but in the meantime where can everyone follow your brand and get yeah. you know stay up to date with everything on Instagram and uh, and on TikTok, you can follow Voice Smells, um, www.voicemells.com. Uh, we have a lot of newness coming out right now between holiday and Black Friday, Cyber Monday, all those kinds of things that we celebrate in the States, at least, you know. And then, um, yeah, so come check us out. Uh, there's always going to be something new and fun to discover. I'll put all the links in the summary as usual, guys, so you can tap away and... Matthew, I'll see you very, very soon. And thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom. Bye.
Of course. Thank you so much, Kash. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Founded Beauty as much as I had making it. And if you did, please share it with a friend who you think will love it too. Founded Beauty is available on all podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music Podcasts, the Acast app, and many more. And I'm also very proud to be part of the Acast Creator Network. So be sure to follow the podcast so you can get episodes as soon as they drop. We really appreciate every single follow, listen, share, and review. It truly goes such a long way and helps us reach new listeners. So as a little thank you, I will be hosting a giveaway each week on my Instagram channel at meta underscore a, where you can win some amazing Fable Main goodies. All you have to do is follow me, check out my stories and all will be revealed. Stay tuned for the next episode of Founded Beauty and don't forget to subscribe and follow so you can be notified when it drops.